0: Let's stand up and praise the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. This wonderful Wednesday night, with all the, the rushing of the day and all the work and all the things that are going on, the chaos of a normal work day, let's come together and just put all that aside, put it away, and put it at the forefront, put the King on his throne in the forefront of your, your mind. You are in every circumstance, no matter where I am. I take You at Your word. You take me by the hand. You lead me through the dark into the promised land. Jesus, You are. My heart is breaking. You are my strength, unfading. You are my light, unfading. Jesus, you are. Cause when my heart is breaking, you are. Strength unfailing, you. promised land Jesus you are my confidence in every circumstance no matter where I am I take you at your word you take me by the hand you lead me through the dark into the promised land Jesus you are My
1: confidence,
0: and what could ever stand against Jesus? You're my one defense, and what could ever stand against Jesus? You are my confidence and what could ever stand against jesus you're my one defense and what could ever stand against jesus you are my confidence Every circumstance, no matter where I am, I take you at your word. You take me by the hill, you lead me through the dark into the promised land. Jesus, you are my confidence. Jesus, you are my confidence. But speak and freedom reigns oh there is hope and every single word you say and I don't want to miss one word you speak cause everything you say is life to me One word you speak Quiet my heart I'm listening When sorrows roll And troubles rage You whisper peace Oh, and I don't have the words to say I won't lose hope When storms won't breathe you keep your word Oh, and promises will keep me safe Oh, I don't want to miss one word you speak Cause everything you say is life to me And I don't want to miss one word you speak Quiet my heart, I'm listening Your ways are higher, you know just what I need I trust you Jesus, you see what I cannot see Your ways are higher, you know just what I need I trust you Jesus, you see what I cannot see I don't want to miss one word you speak Cause everything you say is life to me And I don't want to miss one word you speak Quiet my heart, I'm listening And I don't want to miss one word you speak Cause everything you say is life to me Oh, I don't want to miss one word you speak Quiet my heart, I'm listening Oh, quiet my heart, I'm listening Come and quiet my heart, I'm listening Father, we hang on every word that you say. Father, everything that you say to us, Lord, we it's life to us, Lord. We don't live on bread alone, but on the very word of God. Oh, so speak to us, Lord. And I don't want to miss one word you speak. 'Cause everything you say is life to me. And I don't wanna miss one word you speak. So quiet my heart, I'm listening. Quiet my heart, I'm listening. Oh. I stand and offering with open hands, Lord, I bring everything, Lord, everything and nothing less, my best, my own. My every breath Oh, my life My soul And I surrender I surrender, Oh, oh I surrender I surrender oh Lord, take control oh, I trust you I'm letting go To give you Everything, everything and nothing less My best, my all You deserve my every breath My life, my soul Everything and nothing less I give you my all You deserve my every breath And my life, my every soul. So I surrender, I surrender all Surrender, I surrender all. And I surrender, I surrender all. Lord, I surrender, I surrender. Less. Oh, nothing less. Oh, everything nothing less. Everything nothing less. My life is yours. My life is yours Completely yours Oh, everything and nothing less I give you everything and nothing less Forever, everything and nothing less My life is yours Oh, it's completely yours, my life is yours, oh, completely yours, so I surrender, I surrender, all. You Lord, I surrender, I surrender all. Oh, I surrender, I surrender all everything. Nothing less. My life, I give you my all You deserve my every breath My life, my soul Everything and nothing less I give You, Lord, my best. I give You my all. You deserve my every breath, my whole life, my every soul. Father, I surrender. I. Surrender, oh. all die, surrender, right, surrender. So here is where I lay it down Every burden, every crown This is my surrender And here is where I lay it down Every lie every doubt This is my surrender Cause here is where I lay it down Every burden, every crown This is my surrender Cause here is where I lay it down Every lie and every town. This is my surrender And I will make room Do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to, and I will make room for you, to do whatever you want to, to do whatever you want to. Father, have your way in our lives, Father. Lord, we hold nothing back, we give it all to you, Lord Every hope, every dream Every desire Every ability We lay it all down So shake up the ground for all my tradition Break down the walls Of all my religion Your way is better your way is better shake up the ground of all my tradition break down the walls of all my religion your way is better your way is better shake up the ground for my tradition break down the walls for my religion your way is better your way is better. Come and shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. Your way is better. Shake up the ground of all my tradition. Break down the walls of all my religion. Your way is better. Oh, your way is better. I will make a room for you. Do whatever you want to. Do whatever you want to. And I will make a room for you. Oh, to do whatever you want to. Do whatever you want to. I was made for you. Oh. I was made for you. Mm-hmm. Have your way in our life, Father. Have your way in our life, Father. Oh. Right now, right where were you standing, where you're at in your, in your chair, wherever you, whatever you're going through, lay it before him. Whatever it is that's coming to mind right now, the things that take up too much of your time, that you keep making excuses saying you don't have time for God, lay it all down right now. Say, Father, whatever you want is yours. You have my yes. Whatever the question is, Father, here is my Yes. you want me to lay it down i'll lay it down i want you and i want what you want for me father your plans are much greater than mine much better than mine you can see the end before the beginning oh so i will make room for you lord do whatever you want to you have free reign lord I will make room for you. Do whatever you want to. Ever you want to. Him. Oh, to worship you I live, to worship you I live, I live to worship you.
2: guys have ever seen uh the movie Braveheart and listen I'm not promoting it because there's a there's a short scene where a, a woman's topless This is before I was serving Christ but there was a there was a scene in that movie that as I was sitting there and I was just worshiping uh the words from that script flooded my heart and so just a brief summary in the movie there's a tyrant king from england and he's aggressively just taking territory he's trying to rule over the scottish people and so his son is put in an arranged marriage with a woman from somebody else who he was trying to form an alliance with and he was very aggressively demonic if i could put it that way he i mean his heart was black he it was he was ruthless the way he treated people and so as he gets older in age uh it's it's evident in the in the show that his son is homosexual, so he has no interest in women. And the woman comes to the king on his deathbed, and he he loses his voice. He can't talk. He can't speak. And she comes to him and she kneels beside him and she says this. She says, "I want you to know that your legacy and your bloodline die with you." And he gasps and he and you can tell he's trying to. Uh, say something and and communicate with her why am i telling you this i believe as the body of christ that we are called not only to be men and women of integrity yes that's that has to be i mean that that doesn't need to be said we know that but as leaders that god has has created us to be i believe an effective leader not only has integrity But uh, an effective leader has the ability to create leaders who walk in integrity as well. You see I believe the body of Christ is suffering. There are so many mantles, there are so many callings, there are so many ministries that are dying on the altar of selfishness. Selfish ministries, selfish lifestyles that you can't see it with your eyes, you look at them that you say they're doing great things they're doing amazing things for God they they have all the tools all the giftings, but deep down in their heart all their motives all their interiors the things that they're doing the reason they're doing is because they're building their kingdom you see we're supposed to look not just at our future but we're supposed to live breathe move go in the direction where we're looking to the future God's God's future the churches what God's doing in the earth what he's doing through people you know I think about it I don't see Farley in here but I know because of private conversations that and if you don't know who Farley is he's the general manager of the place where I work but I know that he walks the territory the property of that building that he works at and he prays he prays for the business he prays for the employees What makes a man do that? This is my stepmother. If anybody in here doesn't know that, what makes a woman who lives on a road in Church Point called Vatican Road make contact with every single person she can on her street and it's about a half a mile long? Not just the people who can benefit her, but the people who have absolutely nothing to offer her. I believe it's because she has a kingdom mindset. That's what I believe. In the church, And I'm not saying everybody, and it's obviously not everybody, but we have become so self-centered and self-focused that in our endeavors to do God's will for our life, something tragic happens. That the mantle that's on your life and what God wants to do in you and through you dies with you. You know, I believe this. I believe any man or woman who endeavors to be a businessman or a woman, I believe if they're worth their salt, This is what I believe. I believe that they will be looking to have a business that thrives for generations after their past. That they're doing something that's going to outlive them. And if people who are secular can understand and grasp this concept, then so much more should the church be. Does this make sense? So much more should we have our eyes set on the kingdom of heaven advancing. So much more should we be building the generations that are coming after us. You know, I know oftentimes, and Pastor Bob, I'm just going to kind of use you as an example. But oftentimes, many times, many weeks, many months, many years, he spent Wednesday nights in here privately praying for this church. Praying for what God wants to do in this place. Remembering what God spoke to him through prophetic dreams when they first arrived here seeking heaven to see God do what he's, he's determined in his heart to do in this city and in the families. But what drives a man to do that? What drives somebody to, to live outside their, their, their comfort zone? I believe the difference is kingdom mindset. You know, Jesus said this. He said, unless a seed dies and goes into the ground, it remains alone and it will not reproduce anything. But God has called us to reproduce the DNA of Jesus in the earth. But the truth is, this comes at a high price. The price is death spiritually. That you you spiritually got or should I say, your flesh has to die. That we've got to be able to see past our ambitions, our endeavors, the things that we... And look, it's good. We want to be aggressively uh, going after what God calls us to do and tells us to do. Hyper-focused and and determined and full of uh, just all the drive that heaven can put in you. But if your motives are wrong, if our motives are wrong, then we may accomplish something in the next 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years that we have here on earth. But how tragic it would be if what we accomplished died when we died. I think it's sad. I think it's, I think it's a hard thing. It's a hard concept. But God has called us to do more. Let's pray real quick. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for my church family. Lord, we thank you for, for Justin leading us in worship. And Lord, we just pray tonight that, God, you would speak. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would deal with your people's hearts. God, deal with our hearts tonight, God. Equip us and make us better. Strip us of all wrong motives, God, or blind spots that we just can't see. And Father, we thank you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, welcome to Wednesday night. Uh, So happy to see you guys here. Justin, thank you. Always a blessing. If you want to shake somebody's hand real quick, you can. If you don't, you don't have to, but... All right. So just to be clear, I'm not promoting going and watching Braveheart. If you do, watch it on VidAngel because there's one scene nobody should be looking at. So, but thank you guys for coming tonight. We love y'all so much. Uh, I know everybody's busy. Everybody's got a lot going on. But I honestly think there's no better way to spend your time than in the presence of Jesus and listening to the Word of God. Amen. All right. How many people have your Bibles? Phones count, you're adults. You can use your phone. I tell the, uh, the students upstairs, I tell them, I say, who has your Bible and your phones don't count? I said, unless you can genuinely say that the reason you have your phone is because this is the Bible you prefer, and that's why you have it on you. But you're all adults, so I believe if you use your phone to read the Word of God, then I trust your judgment. I believe you're doing that. Amen? All right. Let's jump to Philippians chapter 2 real quick, verse 3 and 4. If you got it, or when you got it, say, I got it. Got it. Anybody else? If you got it, say, I got it. All right. You probably all read this scripture, you've heard it, Uh, but it says this. It says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. But in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others as better than themselves. Let each of you look out, not only for his or her own interest, but also for the interest of others. Now, when I read that scripture, and and probably uh, when you read that scripture, it's very evident that God has called us to be selfless in our pursuit, selfless in our endeavor, selfless in the things that we do. You know, but some people... And listen, children are a blessing from the Lord. I mean, I was a child of somebody. You guys were all children. Uh, Most of us in here have children. And so it is admirable and it it is holy. It is acceptable. It pleases God that we raise our kids into the Lord. You agree with that? Absolutely, it is. But what if I told you that, let's say, Let's say God puts uh, a couple of children in your path, and there's there 's one that 's not necessarily as gifted as your kids or or they're uh, they 're just kind of the social outcasts. What is your immediate response to that and I, I know uh, some of you you probably don 't have young kids anymore, but what 's your immediate response to that because we We tend to think or we tend to feel, you know, I need to do right by my children, and I'm doing my job. And I say amen. We do right by our kids. We do right by uh, the responsibilities we have, the people in our life. That is God's will, that we do that. But there's something that happens to a man or a woman that gets in the presence of God, and God starts to peel back the layers in your heart. He starts to deal with you. I mean, I'm telling you, we... And this is not just in the church, but this is in our personal lives. We are called, the best way I can describe it is this. So if you saw yourself in the spirit, I would say, and y'all might laugh at me, but I would say you should look something like this. What that represents is it represents that there's somebody in your life that's pulling you up, but it also represents in the other hand, you've got somebody else and you're pulling them up. It's, It's symbolic of, raising people up, whether it be in the ministry, whether it be in your workplace, whether it be at a baseball game, whether it be at a dance recital, that our eyes are always set. We're always intentionally looking for opportunities and motives that are pure, but to raise people up to help them to step into what God's called them to step into, even if nobody sees you do it. You know, I saw a video uh, recently on Facebook, and it was it was phenomenal. But it was about a guy who was, he was he was born into the occult. He was from Africa or somewhere like that. But I mean, his whole story about how he was born was just so phenomenal. His mom couldn't have. She had six girls. She seeks out this witch in the in the woods, and she has to do several seven day fast and sacrifices to this witch for this person to even see her. And and the. The witch that she sees tells her something like this. She says, look, I see it. I see there's a son. You have a son. But if I do something to help you bring him forth, he's going to cause problems for our, our, I guess, our covet or or, our group of witches or whatever territory they had. But she was desperate, and she goes through all the things. And this boy, he he was born, and for 24 years of his life, he was, I mean, the day he was born, he was offered up to marry this 6 year old witch who, who supposedly thought she brought him forth. But this they marry him to this witch, and he spends 24 years of his life in the occult. He's a, he's a witch doctor. He does all the stuff that you would imagine they do, helping people do demonic, just crazy. And so there was this little girl who, she was 15 years old, and God started dealing with her heart about seeking God intentionally, uh, and it had nothing to do with her immediate family. But God had put a desire and a burden on her heart to take the region back for the Lord. And so after several fasts, after, after uh, a multitude of days praying six to seven hours a day, God gave her, he gave her wisdom, he gave her uh, structure, he gave her order. And he, she, he said, okay, I want you to go after this person. I want you to break this thing off of his life and it's for my purposes. And so she does all this stuff and she takes this man out of the kingdom of darkness. She wins him back spiritually and he gets born again. And nobody even heard of the story until the man, uh, he gave his first interview and he told his testimony about what happened. But, this woman was so, or this, this girl, should I say, she was so kingdom minded that she knew all she wanted to do was God's will and God gave her an assignment and she sacrificed and she paid a price and she become desperate to see God have his way and to do what God has set on his heart to do. So she wins this, this guy into the kingdom. He wins another guy. She brings somebody else and the guy's like, what am I doing here? And so he tells me and he says, basically what she did for me, she's doing for you. And I think... Over a 10-year span, they raised up 24 intercessors in the same manner, same, same way, same, like, prayed, fasted, went after them. Like, they took territory, and God told them that he was going to give them the nation. But here's the thing. He, she couldn't do it on her own. Like, God used her to raise up more people to help her to accomplish the mission that he had set his heart on. Only reason she was focused on it is because God put that desire in her heart. But, I, and I think he condensed the testimony, but I can't imagine the things this young girl, 15 years old, that she, she gave herself over to, laboring in and prayer, and, and whatever else she did to make this happen. But that's what I call selfless Christianity, that she had vision that God gave her for the future, and she went after it, and she attained it. If you have your Bible, let's go to Numbers 27, verses 15 through 23. I want to read about Joshua and Moses real quick. So most of you know that Moses, he he handed on the baton. or Is that how you say it? Baton? 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 He handed it over to Joshua, but it came. So right before God instructed him, to to do that, to to bring Joshua up basically to hand over the ministry. So Joshua and Aaron, they get frustrated because the people of Israel are being, I mean, they're just so hard-headed. Y'all know the story. Y'all know all the stuff they were doing. And God instructs him. See, they're hungry, they're thirsty. God instructs Moses. He says, go to the rock and speak to it. But because he he got frustrated with the people, I mean, I don't, they were probably driving him nuts. And they 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 were so aggravating to him that he takes his staff and he strikes the rock. So he strikes it and the water flows. God still does that. And, but God tells him, he says, he says, I want you to do this. I want you to do that. And by the way, they're going to go into the promised land. But because you disobeyed me, you can't come. And this is where we pick up. I, wanna, I want you to hear what Moses' response to that was. So in verse 15, it says this. Then Moses spoke to the Lord saying this. Let the Lord, the God of the spirits of all flesh, set a man over the congregation who may go out before them and go in before them, who may lead them out and bring them in, that the congregation of the Lord may not be like sheep which have no shepherd. You see, God gets all up in Moses' face and he gives him a solid blow. Hey, by the way, you're not going into the promised land because of your disobedience. Moses could have shifted, he could have blamed shift. He could have argued with God, looked at, I mean, I know God, but you see how they are. You wanted to kill them. I'm the one who talked you out of it. All those things. But Moses didn't do any of that. The only thing that was on his heart, the only thing that was on his mind is he had this heavy concern. He said, but what about the people? God, raise up a man that can go before the people, that can come and go. And so they won't be like sheep that are scattered without a shepherd. Moses could have been offended. He could have been, God, all this stuff I did, all the things I went through with these people, and I can't even enter the promised land, probably would have been me, to be honest with you. I'd have soaked and cried and fussed and, and like, I mean, think about that. Really put yourself in the, in the desert with, with Moses and all these millions of people and all their frustrations. They're bickering, they're complaining, all the stuff that God did. Split the Red Sea, he sent the plagues, water from a rock, manna from heaven, quail out of nowhere. Like he's seen God do all this stuff and he put in all this time with these people and God says, By the way, you're not going in. If we can be honest, if we can be real, probably most of us would have been like, Are you kidding me? Like, are you kidding me, God, for that one mistake? But that's not what Moses did. Moses said, set a man before the people so the congregation will not be like sheep who don't have a shepherd. I call that kingdom-minded, selfless Christianity. And I believe we as the church are called to the same thing in every aspect of our life. And the truth is, most of us, if not all of us, probably get this right a lot of the time. But it's not how many times we get it right, because that doesn't change the times that we get it wrong, the things that we can hinder, the plans that God has. When we're looking at situations and circumstances with temporal eyes, we're looking at it with fleshly minds, we're looking at it, you think, preachers and evangelists and pastors and apostles and, and teachers and Christians, you think just because they're doing the ministry that there's no room for selfishness? There absolutely is. I've done it myself a hundred times. James, I'm going to use you as an example. Is that okay? Me and James talked last week and I, I um, so much potential in this man. I, I, I trust him as much as I trust anybody and I just, his love for God's so deep. And so last week I told him, I said, hey man, when are you going to come up and give your testimony to the youth? And so for an entire week, he struggled with that. And I didn't know why until about 20 minutes ago. He comes walk up to me while I'm worshiping. And he says, this is what he says to me. He says, Tiger, whenever you're ready, I'll do it. He said, I just had to make sure that I'm doing it for those kids and not for my own glory. He took a week to weigh that. Pastor, huh if we would all walk that way with every decision, every person in our life. That's what the man said to me. I don't know if y'all saw him walk up, but I was like, gosh, like, I want to be more like James. I mean, I want to be like Jesus, but he was a pretty good example of it to me. Uh, this is my opinion. That selfless Christianity, that we, we have sight that exceeds our physical capability To look and assess with our own eyes. with our I I can barely sometimes see past the next day. And I certainly have been guilty of doing things with the wrong motives. Most of you have probably heard me tell this story. I told it to my coworkers today. Um, But it fits, so I'm going to just put it. I was... I was, me and my cousin were trying to help another cousin. Long story short, he had everything working against him. So we were going to pay for his Twit card, pay for his boots, do everything we could do to get him offshore. We were going we to get up under him and, and raise him as high as we can to give him the opportunity to go and make some changes in his life. And I was so pleased with myself. I was so excited. But I laid on my bed, and the Holy Spirit asked me a question that wrecked me. I'll never forget it. He said, son, would you be just as happy for him if nobody knew you did it if nobody knew you were the one who did it and in that moment I had to be honest with the Lord I said I wouldn't Lord like, I'd still be happy for them. I'd still, there'd, there'd be some joy. And, but the, the reality was, there was something in me that wanted the notoriety from the decision I was making, the thing we were going to do. I mean, you see it all the time. People on Facebook with their phones, and they go and feed people, and they do. You see it, Pastor. It's all over. Like, people are doing all these things, but it's with the camera in the face. or and, and so, I can't say for 100% that that's always so they can be seen. God may have been telling some of them to do those things. But the motive, that that determines if your legacy dies or it lives on, I believe. Because if Jesus said, unless a seed falls into the ground and it dies, it will remain alone. So if we do things out of flesh, out of selfish ambition, out of the wrong motives, if we're not really looking to the next generation, if we're really not concerned about the kingdom of God, we're only concerned about the the room that we have in the kingdom of God. We're gonna redecorate. This is gonna be the best looking room in the kingdom. Does that make sense? I don't know if that's a good analogy, but my room. I don't care about the rest of the house. How does my room look? Am I impressive? Do I have the right light fixtures? Do I have nice pictures on the wall? And that may not fit what I'm saying, but you get it. Like, are we more concerned with what we're doing without being concerned with what he's trying to do in the earth? I know people like that. And you can see it all over their life. You can follow them. You can watch them. And if you look long enough and you pray hard enough, you will see... That, yeah, they may be doing something that's, that's good, and God still uses it, and he still ministers to people, but that thing has no sustenance at the end of their life. Wood, hay, or stubble. And I don't want to be that guy. I don't want to be the person that is, that is absolutely has no sustenance to my life. You know, Paige, I'm gonna use you for an example. This is my co-worker. Everybody say, hi, Paige. <laughs> so, so, in the department that we work in today, uh, it's, it's the receiving department at Evangeline Made, and so I was the only one certified to use the forklift, where there's so much going on in that department that they got Paige, and they have another young lady, and we've been uh, trying to get the department back in order, but I'm the only one who's certified, but the intentions of our safety manager was to train them, to get them trained, but it's been so busy. Uh, every time... We get a little time, something else goes on. And so there's never been an opportunity for the girls to get trained on the forklift. Well, I was, I was putting something up and Gina comes walking up to me and I knew she had already taken her, her, her physical test and she was just ready for about 10 minutes of training on the forklift. And we were talking about, yeah, well, you know, maybe we can get it tomorrow. Maybe we can. And I said, wait a minute. I said, we're doing this right now. So we go, we find a safety guy. He was like, absolutely, we did it. When we were done with that, he gave me the paperwork. I gave it to Paige. I said, you need to do this today because we're going to get you trained tomorrow. Why am I telling you guys that? Because my job, this is selfish right here. My job, if all I did was go there for my own purposes, all I want to do is I want to climb the ladder and I could care less. Matter of fact, it's to my benefit that they don't learn the forklift because it makes me look better. Because I'm efficient in something that they can't do. That's selfish Christianity. This is day-to-day life. These are just things that I go through. But my goal is to grab them because I have opportunity to hold them by the hand and if there's an area where I can pull them up, that I do that and vice versa. She does the same for me. She's very well trained on computers and so I have had minimum time working on a computer but she has has done the same. Hey, you want to do these? You want to create these POs? She has helped me and the same thing with Gina. What am I trying to say? Our life should always consist of we're looking not just at our family members, not just at our children, right? Not just at our our mom, or dad, our our brothers, our sisters, our best friends. We're not just looking to extend a helping hand to those who we have great affections for, but we're looking for any opportunity to take somebody by the hand and push them into the destiny that God has for them. To make them better. Some way, some shape, and so forth. Everybody has a next level. Not everybody's trying to get there. But that's not for us to judge. We can at least try. Right? We can at least try. We can look at the people that nobody else sees potential in. Right? And we can say, God, there's something in them that you want to do. How can I be assistance? What can I do? How can I serve in what capacity to help this person to get them ultimately to salvation and living out selfless Christianity? That way your kingdom is being advanced. That's why the New Testament church exploded the way it did because they were all willing to die for their faith. And if they're willing to die for it, they died to everything else. They were were all about the father's business. And I believe when we live sacrificially in obedience, that's when God can place something on us and move something through us to further his kingdom that his glory may be seen in the earth. You know, it may be that person that you never think of, that you help, that you you, you stretch a hand out and you you do something that uh, you normally wouldn't do. And I don't have a good example, but you know what I'm saying? That very person may be the reason that somebody dear to you who's not serving the Lord might end up coming into the kingdom. But we can't see all that stuff. And we can't do it because that might be the case with the wrong motives. I Boy, they got something that happened to me today, and I can't share it yet. But I'm going to share it with you all one day. Just know it was good. It was a great example. All right, let me finish reading. All right. Verse 18, And the Lord said to Moses, Take Joshua the son of Nun with you, a man in whom is the Spirit, and lay your hand on him, set him before Elzear the priest, and before all the congregation, and inaugurate him in their sight. And you shall give some of your authority to him, that all the congregation and the children of Israel may be obedient. He shall stand before Isaiah the priest who shall inquire before the Lord for him by the judgment of the, of the Urim. Urim, I think that's how you say it. And at his word, they shall go out and at his word, they shall come in. And at his word, they shall come in and all the children of Israel with him, all, all of the congregation, I might need glasses. Not yet though. So God, he responds and basically, and this is just a little paraphrase, Moses is like, raise somebody up. Come on, Jesus, don't, don't leave them by themselves. They can't be left alone. And God responds immediately like, absolutely. That is my plan. That is my will. That is my purpose. You know, Noah, I don't know what your day-to-day life looks like, but who are you pulling up? Who are you grabbing by the hand? Because what will happen is the enemy will come and hit you with a two-piece, a three-piece two three uh, uppercut. Like, you will get so whacked by life that you, by default, you're, you're looking in. And, of course, you are. Like, you're, you're going through stuff. I understand that. But he will get you so distracted and so self-consumed that you can't see past yourself. And there might be a hundred opportunities that cross your path in a month's time to just do a little something that serves a great purpose in somebody's life. But you're so consumed with your circumstances, your situation, you can't even see it, much less consider it. But God has called us, He's called us to be people who have vision, Like I said earlier, not just for Jordan's future, but vision for the future of the kingdom. Advancing, like, when we pray in that prayer room on Sunday mornings, one of the things we pray is this. We say, God, I don't know what you've got five, 10, 15, 20, 30 years down the road for this church, but you do. And God, we pray you do it. We pray you do it, God. Now, we can pray for a move of God, for us to experience, for us to enjoy. I can't really ever say that I've actually been part of a true revival. I know Pastor Bob has, and some of you in here may have, but I've never seen the only genuine revival I've seen is the revival in my life and close friends and people that God has brought into the kingdom. But a corporate massive revival, I've never seen one. I've read about them. I know uh, it's, it's amazing, and we want God to do it. But Why? Is it because we want to feel and experience? And I'm like Andrew. Andrew, y'all know Andrew Elliman. He said, some people say you shouldn't uh, seek out feelings. He said, but I like it when God touches me. Me too. Like, I love feeling God's presence. But if my motives don't supersede that that feeling, that encounter, that experience— if I'm praying God send revival because I want to have a Holy Ghost party and I want to see a couple people come into the kingdom, but I really just want to see Life Church filled and people uh, serving Jesus, and that's it, right now, right here, do it now. But I have no vision for the future, right? If I go to a job or I enroll my kids in sports, if I decide I'm going to be a coach to one of my daughters if they go play softball, I'm going to be the coach. But it's only because I want my daughter's team to win so she can have an experience that I know is just going to fill her heart with so much joy. But that's it. I never say, okay, God, I have this opportunity. I can coach her team. But God, what do you want to do in those other kids? Because guess what? My, my daughter wants to play second base and this other little girl wants to play second base. The flesh says, I want my daughter to get it. And it's natural. Like we want our children... But, but the Spirit says, what does God want to do in that other one? A book called Reese Howe's Intercessor. He talked about, and I don't want to rabbit trail too much, but he talked about, he was, he was becoming so surrendered to God that God would even say, you have no rights at all. That means that if you come and there's a job and you want the job and another man wants the job, that you have to give it to him because his needs are greater than yours. If the Holy Spirit says so, that we're even in the place that we can hear God speak to us in that manner, that we could say absolutely, Lord. But life is so hard, right? It is. There, there are moments of amazing uh, happiness and pleasure and joy in life. There are, but there are moments that that are also so hard that the enemy uses that opportunity to get us focused on us. Can you honestly say you've been there? Cause I've been there like, and it's, there are seasons when you got to focus on yourself and the Holy Spirit's dealing with you and all that stuff. But the reality is God has called us to live on a higher plane because he sees a greater picture than we could see. The only way we see it is if we see it with the spirit's eyes, that God can give us vision for the future, not just vision for our future. There has to be a connection there. Yes, God, I want to do what you called me to do. But Lord, what's the purpose of what I'm doing? What's it going to do for somebody else? How's it going to help your kingdom when I'm, when I'm back in the dust, when I become nothing, when I'm with you? What's still going on if you still tarry in Jesus and I'm in heaven? What did my life do that's still causing effect in the earth that people might know your name? Occasionally, I'm like, I just can't wait to be in heaven. And the Holy Spirit's like, what about the legacy that you're leaving? What are you doing after that? These kind of moments happen everywhere. They happen in grocery stores. See, this is not just what people we do day-to-day life with. This is not just, this is moments. This is the mundane, casual, quick encounters that we have with people everywhere we go. There's opportunities for us as the church to pull somebody else up. And I use the, I use the thing about the 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 cash register worker, because it's, it's so good. Man, I've, I've done it so many times, but when you go to a store and there's a cash register lady, a cashier that's struggling or a man that's struggling, and everybody in line is fussing with them, and you get that opportunity, you can be quiet or you can encourage them. You have a moment where you can pull them up. No, listen, I know it's, you've got a lot of people. I know you've probably been here. Whatever you have to say, Jesus loves you. You're doing a good job. I appreciate you. Whatever it is, those little moments pull people up. You know, I don't know which way is true, which way is false, but I'm going to tell you all a little story. Two mornings ago, uh, I, I pass up a high school on my way to work in rain, and I get on the interstate, Pastor, and immediately a rain cop pulls me over. I was like, bruh, I can't afford no ticket. So the cop comes, and before he can even get to my door, I stuck up my hand to shake his hand, and it kind of caught him off guard. He shook my hand. Asked me for my license, registration, proof of insurance, all that stuff. He said, you know you were doing a 45 and a 25? I said, man. I said, was it in front of school? He said, yeah. I didn't know I was doing it. I just know that was the speed limit there, so I assumed. He said, I'll be right back in a minute. I said, all right, man, I appreciate you. He comes back. He gives me a warning. I was like, I was expecting a ticket. Like, I was guilty. Like, I for sure thought he was about to give me a ticket. He didn't. He said, look, I'm going to give you a warning. Uh, slow down. Have a good day. I said, thank you so much. And so I'm driving away, and sometimes I I tend to be uh, a negative Nancy. The first thought I had was he didn't give me a ticket because he didn't want to do paperwork. That's what I thought. And then I kind of got a little rebuke in my heart from the Lord, and it was was like, well, maybe that moment that I had, because cops probably deal with hostile people, giving out tickets. They probably get uh, very aggressive people. Honestly, every time they pull somebody out, they don't know if somebody has a gun. So it might have shocked him that I had my hand out and I was so polite and I told him, thank you. And maybe, maybe that little encounter pulled him up just a little bit. Maybe he was like, I don't know if I want to be a cop no more, man. And I would have been his last stop. Maybe he was being discouraged and maybe not. But maybe, right? Maybe so. And just that little moment where I shook his hand instead of being arrogant, arguing with him, asking him to to see the radar... Because I've done that too. Can you show me the radar? And I'm not proud of it. I have. But like, maybe that little moment did something inside of him where I got an opportunity to pull him up. Or you go to a dance of your kids, and they got one kid that's just not great. But you're so hyper-focused on your kid doing well, you forget to, hey, you did, you did good. Maybe they know that they suck. But you encourage them. Hey good job. You did great. Like you tried hard. The moments and opportunities that we have as believers. And yes, this is, this is for everything. This is for life. This is for ministry. This is for the trips to the grocery store. This is when your kids on a, a team. This is when you're in a. If you're in school, it's that it's when you're at work that we get out of the place where we're completely consumed with selfishness. Can we start moving in selflessness? We're supposed to be reproducing in the earth. What we're doing, we're supposed to be, we're supposed to be. See, if you look at Paul and you, and you go to Timothy and you read his admonishments towards him. Paul, I think he was in jail when he was right now. I'm not 100% sure, but I think he was. But he was trying to raise up this man for the purposes of the kingdom. He saw something in that guy. But what about you? You may be a stay-at-home mom who, who homeschools. But there's an opportunity somewhere in your life to reach outside your sphere of influence. You know, my wife, she, she got she got uh, connected to a young lady who was just, her life was a mess. And my wife would only hear from her about every six months and it'd be because she, she needed money. And... Every single time, she would do it. And she wouldn't give her, all, all, like, she would give her something. 25, she'd get the text, hey, my kid ain't got no diaper, whatever. But the only relationship that this girl had with my wife was, was uh, can I have, can I have, can I have. That was literally it. And after two or three times, we say, well, this person's just using me, right? But she didn't do that. After two or three times, and the fourth time, and the fifth time, until the girl stopped communicating with her, stopped reaching out, she always, yes, if she had it, she would pour it into her life. And it's selfless Christianity. It's saying there was nothing in it for her, nothing, zero, except for the fact that there were seeds that she had an ability to plant that she has the faith, and I have the faith to believe that God, one day it's going to reproduce something in her life, and it's going to bring her to know you, that she will remember your goodness through your people. Right? Didn't Jesus say this? They will know that you belong to me by what? By your love for one another. This is applicable to every single area of our life. Even to the point that when nobody sees you do what you do, that it's only between you and God, you're just as satisfied serving or pushing somebody else up or having vision for somebody else's future or not discrediting the little moments, the little opportunities. People think, well, if I can't spend uh, X amount of time with this person consistently, then what I do for them has no impact on their life. That's not true. Like, they think the most effective way is to come. No, God sometimes gives us moments in time, doors open, opportunities, to just give them Jesus. And it doesn't have to look like opening the Bible and quoting scripture out of them. It's, they will know you belong to me by your love one for another. Now, I don't know if that, Some people might think that he's saying by your love one for another, he was talking about the believers. Maybe so, between them. But I believe he was also talking about demonstrating his love to the earth, to the world. And that's how we pull people up. Our ambitions should be higher than our existence, if that makes sense. God called us to be the expression of Jesus in the earth. And here's the thing, sometimes we put God in a box because we think if it doesn't look like a microphone in our hand or if it doesn't look like us reading scripture to somebody or if it doesn't look like us uh, going out and giving food to the poor or if it doesn't look like us going out on a Friday night and, and doing street evangelism if it doesn't look like something along those lines, then it's not something that really matters. It doesn't, it doesn't have an impact. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything on the earth. But that's not true. The truth is that we miss more opportunities than we'll ever be able to count because we're looking in a mirror instead of through a window. Does that make sense? And we're not always all guilty of that. But there's so much more for us. There's so much more for us to do. There's so many. God is, he is oozing with opportunities for his people. I worked in the oil field for a while, so many, so many. But I could have either went offshore, conformed to the environment, or I could have exposed it. And when I say exposed, I'm not talking about going out there and being a la 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 la, beating them over the head with a Bible. But I've, I've told you the story before. There have been people who walked up to me. Uh, Paige even saw this a couple of weeks ago. It was a guy who said, you don't curse nothing, huh? I was like, I sure don't. And it happened another time when I was working in an office. Man, I noticed you don't do any of that. Exposing. Because the definition of darkness is the absence of light. But when light comes, you start to pull people up with your life. You start to, you start to give them. You know, sometimes people just don't believe in their self. And they need somebody who can see. I feel like my boss, Farley, did that with me. Because this job, there's so much stuff that I was clueless. I didn't know anything about it. But he said, no, you're the man. You're the man for this. I believe you can do it. And I'm finally starting to figure out, wait a minute, I can do this. There's some things like I was mostly intimidated with the the computer and stuff like that. But I'm starting to see, oh, you're right, I can do this. So what are we seeing in people? While we're pulling people up, make sure you've got a hold of somebody's hand. Make sure there's somebody in your life who's speaking into your life and there's somebody helping you grow. But who do you have by the hand the least likely suspect is the ones we should grab? There's a young lady where I work at. She walks around with her head down. Shy, doesn't talk to anybody at all that I see anyway. And I I walked the... the plant a lot doing different stuff. She's very reserved, quiet. And I said, I'm going to be very intentional. I'm going to learn her name. I'm going to talk to her every single time. I'm going to tell her she does a great job. And I've been doing that. And now she is actively engaging in conversations, not just with me, but with other people from what I understand. Uh, She's coming out of her shell. She has a little more confidence. And I'm not going to say it was all my doing, but I know that God pricked my heart about her and said, why don't you just start So I see, and I'm seeing more confidence on her face. And if that's all my encounters with her ever are, then I'm okay with that because God was able to use my life for something. And I pray that he uses it and he brings her higher, but words getting around my people. I'm a Christian at at work, words getting around. I'm a pastor. My, my, The way I'm living, the way I'm acting, the way I'm moving, the way I'm working should reflect Christ. And somebody's got to see something real inside of me so they know that it's real enough for them to attain. Just the way we live pulls people up, but we've got to be intentional about it. Or we can be envious, jealous, and, and full of selfish ambition. And I'll do this or whatever it is, job, position, whatever it is. I'll do it, and if somebody else starts to get in my way, I'm going to find a way to prevent them from going higher than me. But that's not what Paul said. He said, esteem others is more or higher than yourself. All others, not some others, all. That means when I see a homeless person on the side of the road, when I look at him, i got to esteem him as higher than myself. He's more valuable than I am. Not that he is, in in Jesus' eyes, I'm not saying that. But to me, it's worth it to do something, to go out of my way, to try to push him towards the Lord. Some way, shape, or form, it's always worth it, whoever it is. Y'all with me? We're supposed to be taking territory. That that young lady, 15-year-old, Pastor Bob, she had a vision. And I don't know how long it took her. I think it was a 5, 10-year span that they had accomplished this stuff. But she had a vision. God said, I want you to take territory. And so she lived in such a way that she gained this crazy authority and started winning warlocks and witches to Jesus. And then they started multiplying. And the Lord said, I'm giving you these regions. That's what he told her. We, I should be taking territory, but there's no way I can do it by myself. And I better be looking for somebody somewhere who has a desire, whether they have a desire or not, that has something inside of them that Jesus is like, hey, this moment, do this right now because I see farther than you see. I see more than you see. My capabilities are much higher than yours. We better be raising up people who can take territory likewise. Because that's what this thing is. We love Jesus with all our heart. We were saved from a a horrible destiny apart from him. And now he's called us to reproduce in the earth. But reproducing stops when the seed is alive instead of dead and not the seed of the word, I'm talking about us, spiritually. If we, if we, our flesh is alive at any moment in time, in any motive, in anything we we endeavor to do, if it's us and our motives are wrong and we're alive, then that seed is alive and it will not reproduce. Or better, worse, it'll reproduce false converts or people who will later on be wounded by no telling what? God's called us to raise people up. Whether we in ministry, whether we're in a workplace, whether you're a babysitter, whether you work at Walmart, if it's your wife, your husband, your children, your children's friends, the awkward kid down the road, the really aggravating one. Ask me and my wife how we know. This little girl, bro. Like she would do the most like She was so, and when I see her, every time the Lord still look past all that because I see her future and you don't. She she got her job at like Sonic or Dairy Queen or something, and I'll see her walking every now and then, hey, you need a ride? And she, no, I'm good, thank you, because she lives right by our house. But looking past the very aggravating kid that she, like, absolutely, like, you want to kick this kid, I'm just... You really do. Like, y'all ain't met her. Like, rude, arrogant, snotty. Walk right in your house without knocking. And she ain't been nowhere around, Pastor. Ain't seen her for four days. And all of a sudden, your door opened and it's her. She walks in. I think she went to the fridge. Like, one of those kids that you can look past that stuff. She probably wouldn't go to the fridge, but it was funny. But, like, one of those. One of, and you can look past that. You can look past your experience. And you can see with the eyes of heaven, and you can move accordingly. You know with me? I'm just going to pray for us. I'm closing. Father, I pray in Jesus' name tonight, Lord, that our hearts would be just, Lord, that we would be molded and, and pliable in your hands, God. Lord, I pray that you give us eyes to see those moments that we can't. Because, Jesus, I know that I can't see those opportunities in those moments without your help. Holy Spirit, you are the one who whispers to our heart. You're the one who directs us. You're the one who guides us. You're the one who leads us. And Father, I pray you lead us into selflessness. God, teach us to die to the flesh and teach us to live in Christ. God, give us a heart that reflects your heart on the earth. Lord, we love you so much. God, I thank you for working in our life, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. I'll be blessed